I hate the reality of what it is about. Yeah. I hate society. I'm Kat. And we're the, the Ghouls Next, Next Door. Door. Talk about spooky stuff. As we do. Yes. You know. Yes. It's been, been a minute, but you all should know that we are the media analysis podcast uh, from a horror lens where we explore the real life, historic, and psychological reasons behind our cinematic fears. We're doing yeah. it. I and, think the real theory for me is that mm-hmm. the reason I start my vision declined is so that I could wear glasses all the time to really represent our brand of media analysis glasses. Uh, I think that's the real real thing that happens. The I long think it was con like, for your yeah, eyes. Yeah, I think my body was like, this is what you say all the time. So we're going <laughs> to make it a reality. This is our gift to you, self. You um, have low vision. <laughs> no, great vision because now need classes always. Yes, yes. Always need analysis vision. classes, never off. Always never on. Off. Yes. Uh, we are in our second month of the Good Ghouls Gone Bad series where we're talking about ladies, we're talking about women's issues in film, some of which are issues that come up again and again, uh, often with the same culprit responsible. <laughs> uh, the patriarchy. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, it is what it is. It happens. Uh, yeah, I kept like, I feel like now when I watch movies, I'm like, okay, but this other movie did it better. <laughs> you know, like it's been four years of watching a horror movie every week where I got into the point where I think I'm a little snooty. Yeah. Snooty, but like still watch other stuff. Like, yeah, I, it was, uh, we had a fun moment this week. Whereas, like, let people enjoy. Th- I was like, no. Yeah. I won't. I won't <laughs> let people. Rage is the only path to revolution, and we must burn everything down. Um, so we cannot enjoy any films. We have to be mad. Always. But that's not true. Not, but it is. But it is, and it is, it's a mix of both. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm channeling always, forever now. Yeah. So well, I think the thing is that's important because uh, I feel like it's been a minute. Usually there we cover films that we enjoy or we found yes, that we enjoy. It's true, it's true. Uh, and every now and again, there's a film where we're like, oh, we didn't like this. Uh, and we have to talk about why. And I think that's fun because we don't know really, like a lot of the times, this is our first time watching it was for the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's like, we really liked a film, we want to fit it in, so we make a whole series about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, with this, it was like our first time. And I was like, I heard about it. It looked interesting. It fits into mm-hmm. the category of good ghouls gone bad. Let's do it. Uh, it was even a last minute change. And then I was like, oh, why'd we do this? <laughs> uh, but that, I mean, that kind of says, because we're talking about a Hulu film, uh, False Positive, you saw from the title of this episode. Uh, and I would say... There hasn't, I don't know of a Hulu horror film that I have actually enjoyed. Genuinely. Tragedy Girls. Okay, that's it. That was on Hulu? Yes. You certain? Okay. Yeah, I'm like, right. I'm like pretty certain it was on Hulu. Because um, well, it was a part they, of that little series, uh, like not our series, like their series, um, where they were doing a bunch of different like horror ideas. Um yeah, well, because they. I mean, do, if I'm wrong, yell at me, internet. But I, I think it says Hulu. tragedy girls. The internet format. says Hulu. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had like the the horror series where they did every holiday was a mm-hmm. horror film. That's why we covered uh, Culture Shock mm-hmm. about the Fourth of July, I believe. Um, I've watched a few of them, and every time we oh we did New Year New You, mm-hmm. that was okay. That, that was, was okay. okay. It's fine. Uh, I didn't hate this movie. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I hate the reality of what it is about. Yeah. I hate society. Um, Yeah. But the movie (laughs) wasn't good. 
But it no. wasn't like, I wasn't like, this is the worst. I'm so mad. Worst movie. It was just like, uh, yeah. it, it exists. It was, eh. It's definitely not, I would say, not in the realm of, like, the movies we loathe. Yeah. We do often do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's certainly not a movie I would tell anyone to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get why what, it was made. Like, I get I get it happened. Like, I don't get, like, why it was made and, like, if there was a good reason for it to be made. But, like, I get, like, how it came to be. It could have been made differently yeah. by different people. And that's yeah. always the case, right? Um, yeah. And now, you know, oftentimes we were very excited about a premise mm-hmm. and then it falls short, like with Bit. Like Bit is such a phenomenal premise and it was a great yeah. film yeah. until it wasn't anymore. And then we were sad. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that happens a lot, too. And that was with this where I, I, I had think bigger expectations, I thought, <laughs> than I yeah, would. And then fair. I was like trying to find things to like and I couldn't. <laughs> so today we were talking about uh, false positive she said it's on Hulu. Um, uh, that is a horror film about pregnancy, right? So it's about pregnancy and about the challenges of getting pregnant, challenges of being pregnant. Uh, disclosure, claimer, disclaimer that Kat and I, neither of us have ever been pregnant. Yeah. Just uh, never. We don't uh, have human babies. We at do this not time. have any of those. We have cats. Um, (laughs) so we can't say from experience, we know humans who've had other humans, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, talk to them and we, we read about it. We know that. Um, and because it's something that, uh, both of us potentially want in our future, we have, you know, at least some understanding of what to expect, um, in that world. So just putting that out there. We don't have any babies. (laughs) So. Yeah, we cannot speak from personal experience on this end, but I, I guess, like, just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean you can't learn to empathize with the situation and stuff. Like, it's, you may not understand, mm-hmm. but you can learn about it as much as possible. And you could try, empathize. which yeah, would have been good for this movie to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if we can try. That I think nice. the real horror story um, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. of this film is less about pregnancy and more about just that men are trash yeah. as as in existing like it's kind of like our sub diagnosis yeah. like of our, sh- our show it's like horror and media analysis also <laughs> people are trash and then in that it's like men mostly <laughs> yeah most of the time 10 uh nine out of 10 times um men mm-hmm. and that's uh that's my takeaway from this film, more so than the pregnancy end. Like, it definitely made me feel violated and, like, I didn't want to have children ever mm-hmm. um, unless it was, like, in the middle of nowhere and not in a hospital um, or just, like, have no men anywhere near me for the entirety of the nine months and probably, like, the first three afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Is the emotions that this film made me feel. And then nothing to do with like just that pregnancy seems hard. Yeah. Um that's real. Uh and I don't think I'm gonna have a fun time if it if slash when it happens. Um but yeah, my takeaway really was just like, ew men though. Why? Yeah. Ugh. As, I would say also just like as a woman, like there's like a lot of gynecology scenes. It's most, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, 85% on that table is this whole film, uh, which is like, I ended up having like a nightmare (laughs) just about any time going there, uh, and how uncomfortable that is and how vulnerable and, and, and yeah, just, it's a sensitive position to be in and it's all, it's always unpleasant. There's never a time where I was like, Ooh, that was, uh, what a good visit. (laughs) What a good time. What a grand time. Uh, um, and I do remember you saying when we were watching it, like how we're also like, and I feel this way too, is being uncomfortable with having male uh, gynecologists. Like, no, I don't think I would ever. Uh, I just don't. I have want never that. in my existence had a positive experience with a male doctor, and there's a lot medically wrong with me. Same. So I go to doctors a lot, like a lot. And any instance where I've had a male doctor, they not only gaslit me, invalidated my experience and made me feel like I was just a hysterical woman who was depressed. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like. That was the reason I didn't feel OK. And 
I'm not saying all men shouldn't be doctors, but I'm saying I do not want to work with any of them um, ever yeah. from my experiences thus far. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you uh, about this time because I'm going to I'm going to open it up for me do it. to talk now. Do it. Uh, cool. Uh, so as I said a few times, we're talking about false positive, which is from 2021. It is brand new. And so we threw it up into our schedule immediately and then watched it. Um, we have actually watched quite a few, uh, uh pregnancy movies for this show. And, mm-hmm. uh, this is not one we like. <laughs> so, um, this is directed by John Lee, uh, and the synopsis is, as if getting pregnant weren't complicated enough, Lucy sets out to uncover the unsettling truth about her fertility doctor. Um, yeah, let's dive in. Let's get into this. Uh, I do want to say that I didn't, like, loathe this movie, like we were saying. I didn't love it. Uh, I don't think I want to punch anybody who made it. Uh, but I don't also super enjoy that I watched it. Um, but it's also like, what was I expecting from a Hulu horror movie? You know, yeah. one out of like the 10 that I've seen, uh, being good. And that was Tragedy Girls. So, <laughs> um, anyway, John Lee's False Positive, uh, is a slow anticlimactic thriller dressed up as several other movies with none of their charm. It tries to be Stepford Wives. It tries to be Rosemary's Baby, tries to be uh, anything that's remotely interesting. Uh, And it was marketed as being, marketed to feel as if it were a new millennial vision for Rosemary's Baby with like the modern pregnancy horrors that feature IVF treatments, Um, which is alluring. And that's why I picked it. Because I was like, that mm-hmm. sounds interesting. Also, we, you know, we appreciate uh, Rosemary's Baby. We have also already covered a film that has Rosemary's Baby-esque themes in it and did a really good job. Uh, the story follows a couple, Lucy, who's played by Ilana Glazer from Broad City. I didn't, I do not recognize her in this without her curls. And honestly, that might be a part of why I felt like I didn't trust the character Lucy, too. I was thinking about that earlier because I just was like, who is this? I was like, why? (laughs) Why are you do? Um, And yeah, like it just everything about her felt really fake and that she was trying to be a person uh, that people wanted her to be. And that made me uncomfortable in the way that like Kat often feels uncomfortable but with inauthenticity um and then her husband lucy's husband adrian is played by justin thoreau uh from the leftovers that's what i know him from and i enjoyed him in that uh and they Mm -hmm. navigate the world of ivf treatment after years of failed uh attempts at getting pregnant in the more traditional ways um Mm. it false positive wants you to fear pregnancy, but not for any of the appropriate reasons. I think <laughs> comparing this film to Rosemary's Baby is a disservice uh, to not only that film, but the horror genre itself. Because yeah. Rosemary's Baby was as much a scary film about Satan <laughs> and like cults as it was about the lack of bodily autonomy for women in our medical systems. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a social horror uh, film whose commentary blends the genre with its message quite flawlessly. Uh, False Positive wants you to think it's a smart film about women's empowerment while also reaffirming the same narratives that bind them. So yeah. instead of actually doing all the work that Rosemary's Baby's doing, it's just riding on the coattails of something as great as Rosemary's Baby and not doing any of the work. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah get it yep. yeah. yeah yeah you're not wrong preach uh <laughs> as i said we've covered uh horror films about pregnancy uh previously or horror movies in which there were pregnant people um and i think the strength of those others uh so we covered good manners and lyle recently mm-hmm. uh was that they didn't lean into the like pregnancy is terrifying premise and i you know this is to say that Pregnancy can be terrifying and is risky, and there's no end to what horror media could actually do uh, with the real horrors of creating and birthing a human being. People have died giving birth or have had their bodies drastically altered by the process. So there's so much to be said about the horrifying ways in which uh, which 
uh, women's bodies are controlled, manipulated, and stolen by our patriarchal society. And we could discuss abortion, genetic manipulation, rape, postpartum depression. The list goes on. There's innumerable, (laughs) innumerable things that Mm -hmm. can be said about the horrors around pregnancy. And I feel like false positive tees up opportunities to explore some of these themes, but actually never dives into them. And it really leaves you confused and dissatisfied. And even at some points angry, uh, because you wanted, even if you don't know that your media analysis glass is on, odds are you might feel cheated (laughs) by this plot because it's setting up moments where you think something's going to happen and then nothing happens. Um, There's one line in particular that's said in the beginning of this film that immediately rubbed me the wrong way and more or less kind of set me up to not enjoy this film. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. like one of the first lines we ever hear Lucy say. Uh, And it's with Lucy and Adrian, and they're discussing the decision to do the treatments after years of trying. And Lucy is feeling really sad about her supposed failure as a woman for not being able to do this one thing, Uh, which is totally valid. Right. And, and for a lot of people who have been trying uh, and attempting to get pregnant for years with no luck, it could really wear you down and it could do a number on your emotional health. Like totally understandable that that she was vulnerable and felt this way. But she says something along the lines of I'm not able to do the one thing women are supposed to do, which I was like, wow, rude. <laughs> like, first yeah. of all, that's incredibly false. Uh, women could do many things. All things. Uh, And not all women can have children or want to. And that doesn't make them any less of a woman. And that's also Mm -hmm. not even counting the fact that trans men can have children. Like, what are we doing here? Like, like that one line, I was like, it's so rude. And it wouldn't be as bad just in that it is an inward kind of reflection and a, a sad remark towards herself um, that Lucy is like, I feel like a failure, which is totally understand that you feel that way and that you should feel comfortable to say that in that moment. Mm -hmm. But never is there a time like her husband doesn't push back and there's no revelation in the end that that is not the case. It's never said like, it's okay that you can't or it's okay that like, or just saying like, you're wrong. Not like we never see another woman who isn't doing this traditional thing of having children or struggling to have children, like her friends are dismissed. Like they're too like wild and party crazy. They're nothing but a sentence and are supposedly her best friends that he doesn't like because they're non-traditional women, like quote unquote, not having children or not ready to have children. Yeah. Uh, They're young. Yeah. I think it also just ignores the statistical evidence that, men more often than not like society views it as the woman's fault for not being able to have kids when statistically it usually has to do with the sperm um of the man and they just don't check that as often because all the pressure and like failure and thoughts are put onto the woman which is just like yeah yeah i mean all right looking at you king henry uh the eighth uh, yeah. don't kill women because they didn't have the babies because it seems like it might be your fault, bud. Uh, yeah. And even still, like, they're, like, just kind of off on the side is, like, there's a moment where they, like, they're, like, you're fine and we can do this. And she's, like, we went to so many other doctors. And it's just, like, blown over. Like, it's not, like, you just couldn't. Like, it was just, like, oh, you just had this one little blip that was wrong. The other doctors didn't see, but I'm going to fix you. And when we get to the end, which I will, when we enter Spoiler Town, I'll let everyone know, that reveal does not answer why she was not able to have children this whole time. (laughs) Unless you're pointing again at the husband. (laughs) If you're like, clearly it wasn't her fault. Um, If this happened so quickly. Uh... Anyway, I think Lucy and every other character in this film have a very specific vision for women and what they're supposed to be. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think the aggravating thing about this film is that 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 itself isn't the commentary being made. Like, that's not the problem in this film is that there's that specific view of women. It's just that's just how it is um Mm -hmm. in an article i found on vulture called hulu's false positive isn't horror but it will freak you out by helen shaw they say yet at various points in the movie some seemingly feminist guy a boss a husband a doctor will let his pretense slip 
Which one will be the monster? The movie hints that in some way, they all are. And I think even the women in this film were anti-feminist and they dismiss Lucy's concerns as mommy brain or working to uphold the patriarchal white supremacist and eugenic ideological beliefs held by Dr. John. Yeah. Uh, I would even go further in saying that Lucy too is a monster because for all their performative feminism. So uh, the husband who gives Lucy the illusion of control, uh, the doctor who acknowledges the strength of women, but diminishes their worth by insinuating they exist to produce more men uh, and the boss who values her female input, but uses her pregnancy to guard the guard her sympathy while continuing to have her place their lunch orders. Uh, Lucy isn't any better than them. Uh, I just didn't trust or like Lucy throughout the entirety of this film any more than the Melnick. I said she came off as fake and just as Stepford wivesy as the pink outfitted nurses at Dr. John's. uh, She didn't see the injustice of how she was treated as being a bigger issue within the patriarchy. Like she wasn't looking at this like all women like women have to suffer this way or like this is a foundational problem and we need to make a change. She wasn't having any kind of awakening like that. It was just that she was upset that it was happening to her. Mm-hmm. That, that, but and why her when she's the one who's been doing all the things right, right? She's the one who's not speaking up when she's not supposed to. She's, you know, wearing the clothes she's supposed to wear. She listens to the husband. She, you know, performs the womanly duties that she thinks she's supposed to. So why not her? You know, like, why is she suffering? Right. And that's not to say like, again, that's not the commentary. (laughs) It's just Mm -hmm. expected of her. Um, And I feel like this film is attempting to be many things and accomplishing not a single thing. Uh, Kate Erbland on IndieWire in their article, false positive review. Alana Glazer's pregnancy thriller isn't a bad uh, Rosemary's baby riff it's worse uh, starts their piece out with some hurtful truths that I was like yes <laughs> come for this person's career it's fine uh, John Lee's aimless feature isn't dark enough to be scary funny enough to be a comedy or smart enough to say anything about the main topic it seems to want to tackle Oof. Yeah. True. Uh, this film is trying so hard and it tells more than it shows and in the end there's nothing to learn. And I left the movie questioning like what I was supposed to leave with um, Mm -hmm. and feeling really aggravated that there was nothing to show for what I just watched. Um, There is this fun line towards the end when uh, midwife Grace uh, says, I'm not your magical negress. Uh, After hearing Lucy uh, recall that her office was more, had been more tribal or traditionally African uh, Mm -hmm. because Lucy had essentially fantasized an entire persona for Grace to fulfill this role uh, of the, the magical Negress. So it was like, you're Mm going to help the white character do this thing, Um, which is awful. Right. And I I enjoyed that line because I was like, okay, girl, get it. But we, we had not, not enough of Grace for that to feel valid or like more than, again, performative. Um, and it, I, this part was like surprisingly funny, surprising in that so much of this film was deadpan and lifeless, <laughs> that that little yeah. line was like a zap of like any activity. Um, but it read to me the way that the rest of the film reads and, and what the characters feel. And to me, it felt as if John is trying to say like, look, see, I get it. Men are trash. White people be like that sometimes. Yeah. Like I'm hip. I'm in. (laughs) And I was like, it just, I was like, this is nothing. What you said is nothing. Like you just made a joke about your own thing. Like (laughs) it's not cool. Like pick a thing, pick a lane to be in and then make it about that. Um, And during a perhaps hallucinated, because I'm actually not entirely sure it was real, uh, advertisement video for Grace's midwife service, Grace explains how women have been giving birth since the dawn of time. And only now with men in charge of the medical fields have they felt so vulnerable. So now it's like, oh, we have to be delicate women we have to do all these things put it in the care of men and they will protect you uh and grace is pretty much like ladies been doing this for each other like <laughs> like yeah. for forever uh and then all of a sudden you're here and she's not wrong and it was a part of the film at that time that i appreciated but that message 
wasn't ingrained in the films, but rather just a pr- passing thought. Again, similar to the like, look, see, men, men suck, right? You shouldn't mm-hmm. trust men in the medical industry. And in the end, despite using Grace's natural services, Lucy still ends up at the hospital. And it's like, why? What does that mean for all that talk about not needing men in their medical knowledge to only end up with him b- back between her legs? Yeah. He, like, Lee is trying so hard to say how much he is an ally that he misses out on actually being one. Uh, and now I want to enter into uh, Spoiler Town. So spoiler I would say, you know, watch it before if you want to. <laughs> like, but it's, yeah. I, it's fine. You could also just listen to this and know why you don't have to. Because it's yeah. honestly, most of it is just she keeps ending up back into the hospital getting tests for whatever reason. And it's but just vignettes of her life. No other doctor, like this doctor. Yeah, just always in this one room. Like, that's all it is. And sometimes it's, it. I don't know what genre it is, really, because it's always something. <laughs> it's always mm-hmm. something new. I don't know. It's weird. Um, so let's enter Spoiler Town, and I'll tell you. Uh, the end reveal gave me the same feeling that the, f- the documentary film Catfish did. Not a lot mm. of people watch Catfish, but uh, they probably watch the show that's on MTV which came after the documentary. But in in Catfish, it's revealed, surprise, that the woman he had been speaking to was not who she said she was. Yeah. That he had been catfished. And it was a twist that would have been maybe earth-shaking during the earlier years of the internet, but in 2010, it was lackluster and uninteresting. We had already lived so long with our lives online. Like, I grew up knowing about internet stranger danger and that people lie on the internet. That's Uh not... A reveal. Uh, so to see that the 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 big reveal of a documentary that was advertised to be bizarre and completely unpredictable mystery by IndieWire uh, was very mundane and incredibly predictable. Yeah, <laughs> its name was Catfish. Like honestly, it was yeah. like we knew like what the word Catfish happen. was. It wasn't yeah. a surprise. So if you came out like five years earlier, ten years earlier, people would have been like, "What? Oh my god! Now there's a word for it." Uh, mm-hmm. This film was just like that. Because in the final moments, it's revealed that Dr. John has been inseminating women with his own sperm. And it was like, we kind of already knew that he was doing that. I called that, like, I think within the first 20 minutes. I don't know if you remember. I was like, that's him. It's, he said, you said, you were like, clones? Yeah. And then I was like, he is 100% inseminating these women with his own sperm. I don't know if that's actually true, but that is my theory. And then the rest of the movie happened and we were like, yeah. No, he, we knew this he was entire never time trustworthy. <laughs> that he was a gross bliff person. Like what? Yeah, what did he was even saying? Yeah, nah. he yeah they, he does say clone <laughs> everything. He's never trustworthy. It's always kind of gross. Um, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. Um, and the thing about it is that this is a real thing that has happened to women, and it is horrific. Cat is going to yeah. discuss it in her section, and it is why you know where we had a hard time getting pumped for this episode because it's it is very real it's a one of those real horrors that is just mind-boggling that it exists uh and that anyone has the audacity or or understanding of themselves to do such a thing that's as monstrous as this and so uh in this end right like dr john is as gross as he's ever been. He is revealed to essentially be a white supremacist who believes it's his destiny to populate the world with his perfect seed, right? Like he yep. thinks he is the, you know, the best of men and it is his job. And all the women who work for him believe that. Um, and at one point, Lucy in this, in this moment says, you raped me, uh, you raped me. And he like brushes it off, but she says it with like no drive and almost like it's a question. And to me, it felt like as if John Lee were afraid to make that statement fact, because yeah. in the end, she is right. Yes. And that was the real horror story, right? Like he murdered her daughter and lied to her, keeping her sons. And he did, in fact, rape her. But we don't. It's a question and it's blown off. Like we yeah. have covered in, we've covered population control in the past. So if you do want to hear more on this incredibly gross decision to keep males uh, to carry on the family name, you can check out that episode and also hear about other horrifying ways the government uh, has controlled women's bodies. 
you can check that out. Um, but I think it was worse for me that her reaction was so dulled and muted and it had no triumphancy. Like even in the end when she's like exacting revenge, it was like, for what? What is she actually feeling in this moment? No one knows because she doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. Um, that was the moment where it was very evident that it was written by a man. Yes. Yeah, that one line, I was like, that is true, but she's not saying it like it's true. She's saying it like it's a suggestion and she doesn't know if it's al- she's allowed. Yeah. Um, and so it's like playing it safe, but still trying to be radical. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the worst parts in the end is that she hallucinates releasing the boys uh, from her several stories apartment building window, um, which was uh, like always without a screen. I thought that that stressed me out. It was always shown without a screen. And I was like, no one should do that. Um, yeah. I've seen, yeah, whatever. Uh, but I felt that was revolting. And because uh, to me, it's like those boys had nothing to do with what happened to her. Right. Like they yeah. are innocent. Uh, and had this scene not happened in the final 10 minutes and we were allowed to like unpack, we could have actually had real conversations about the trauma of giving birth to a child out of rape. But like everything yeah. else in this film, we are offered up this thin layer of horrors around pregnancy, but never actually allowed to talk about it. It's almost as if John Lee doesn't actually want us to think about the issues he poses, but instead wants us to think that he thinks about them. And so yeah. here's a tip. Don't use women's bodies uh, and issues as a button for horror without actually exploring and respecting those realities and taking the time uh, to give them the attention that they deserve. Because that's it, it. You're trying to say all these things and you don't know any of it. Um, and that's honestly the worst part of this film. Um, and and if you want a modern day Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby twist and turns uh, film that will stress you out, but also empower you, you should watch Lyle, uh, which we covered in our core queer horror series. And we're absolutely delighted. And it is short. It's only an hour long. It's super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also check out uh, Good Manners, which we also covered then. Uh, and it features pregnancy and werewolves. So do that instead. Don't watch this film. We watched it, so you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, while we're in Spoiler Town, um, for a different show, uh, <laughs> Handmaid's Tale, it made me think Lucy was very reminiscent of, after you had said that, that Lucy's reminiscent of the, I forget what the main evil dude's name is, the commander, mm-hmm. his wife. Fred. Um, his name's yeah. Fred because her name is of Fred. Of Fred, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Fred. Uh, the wife in that scenario who basically is upholding the patriarchy with the hopes of being able to control it. And then when it damages her, her view is not, oh, no, this is happening to women. It is, oh, no, this is happening to me. Yeah. How could it happen to me? Yeah. yeah. Um, and still just very much feels ownership over this child that is like not in any way hers is uh, Mm. (laughs) um, and like only wants this system to benefit her. And it kind of just goes back to the whole intersectionality of feminism and the role white women play and the damage that they do in the hopes that they'll get to actively benefit from the system instead of uh, these men. Dismantling Um, it. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. So this film, man. Okay. (laughs) my time now as you know whenever we watch a thing we try to figure out the many things it could be saying and then try to educate on the overarching themes in reference to like how the horror of the film relates to the horrors of the real world and this film had two very loud messages for me um one being that you know pregnancy is hard there's a lot of traumatic elements to it which extends to the health risks associated with pregnancy as well as just like the societal pressure on women to exist as mothers um and the second being the very violent and life-threatening way that the patriarchy shapes the medical field in relation to how pregnancy is handled in Western medicine. It's all super gross. So some might ask you like, when is it not the patriarchy, racism or capitalism? <laughs> um, and to that, I say when something is systemic and drenched in every facet of society, more often than not, we're going to talk about at least one of them. And in this case, all of them. Yep. Um, <laughs> 
It's, so, it's like the end of Scooby-Doo <laughs> episodes when they're like, oh, who who's under this mask? And then they're like, <laughs> everything. Where we're like, patriarchy, racism, capitalism, who knew? Yeah, it's always. Um, <laughs> Every time. And I'm both always, but never surprised. Like, never surprised. Because it's just, mm-hmm. uh, if I can trust anything about everything that I've ever learned ever, um, is that America is always going to be drenched in violence and oppression and just horrific things. And there'll always be something new and upsetting to cover. Um, So how does the patriarchy, racism, capitalism, and pregnancy interact within Western society? A lot of ways, man. Um, Whether it's race and gender pay inequities, the attacks on reproductive rights and care options, the lack of sex education and resources, the lack of free health care. Fun fact. Pregnancy is listed as a pre-existing condition in most insurance plans. Um, okay. The widespread and non-consensual sterilization slash non-consensual mm-hmm. experiments and procedures done throughout history and still today, or the violence and neglect within the literal hospitals, all three are at play and are doing a ton of damage. So obviously, you know, we've touched on these topics many times, um, specifically as Gabe mentioned in our population control episode, um, in the episode where we talk about the creation of vaccines, uh, briefly, I think in our Lovecraft episode and others. And I'm sure for the rest of time, we will mention and come back to these topics again, because as I said, we are never surprised by how gross society can be. Um, And there's just always more. Um, but this film is really stressful and maybe not in the way that I expected or you'd expect from a horror movie in that is upsetting because this stuff has actually happened, uh, and it actively happens to women for real. Uh, there are actual accounts of disgusting men using their power in the fertility field to rape women, um, by spreading their seed because they're so narcissistic and, delusional that they think they are the best thing that's ever happened to the world and need to exist a thousand more times as if human beings that are created exist as like actual human beings and not just extensions of themselves. So this is actually a real story. In fact, as a testament to Facebook's all listening ear, I was presented with an article without even searching for it uh, about a doctor in Canada who did the exact thing that happened in this film, but in real life. And like super recently, um, an article in the Washington Post titled, Families say the fertility doctor's use of his own sperm to impregnate patients. Now he must pay them millions, as he should. Um, written by Jonathan Edwards on July 30th, 2021. Oof. That was yesterday. I know. (laughs) They speak about this case. And in another article for BBC News on the same topic, it states that the Dr. Norman Barwin has a class action suit that includes up to 226 people. Oh, no. Some couples who were told that that their male partner's sperm would be used were unknowingly given random samples, and in many cases, the doctor's own. That's so Um, disgusting. Even more upsetting, this is not the only case of a fertility doctor blatantly abusing his power and raping women. Um, An article in The Atlantic stated, Fertility doctor Donald Klein's secret leads to new law, um, written by Sarah Zhang, outlines that the doctor used his own sperm 50 times without consent. Mm -hmm. In fact, after a quick Google search, an additional name was listed, and this case literally made me feel nauseous. Dr. Cecil B. Johnson was found guilty on March 5th, 1992 of using his own sperm without consent on up to potentially 75 women in his medical care. The article that I found was especially upsetting because it showed a quote from this man and his lawyer um, in the New York Times titled, Doctor Found Guilty for Fertility Case. This disgusting man had the audacity to say in court, I'm in shock. I really am. Dr. Jacobson said after his verdict was announced, I spent my life trying to help these women have children. If I felt I was a criminal or broke the law, I would never have done it. That's how delusional it is. Like, that's how deep that ideology goes. Mm -hmm. Like, I was still to this moment physically not like... The lack of remorse, the lack of even kind of understanding, the lack of empathy, the fact that society has perpetuated this idea that he was doing a service to these, like, just, Mm -hmm. 
Mm, so much to unpack there. But I didn't even expect to focus so long on these disgusting men because I had, before I even discovered these articles, had done extensive historical research on the destruction of midwives in Europe uh, as a way to force women out of the decision-making process for their own deliveries, as well as research on how the patriarchy, racism, and capitalism all teamed up in a, to hyper-medicalize the birthing process as a form of oppression, all while forcing the act of motherhood on women as a societal reinforcement of capitalism and subservience. Um, I'll try to cover the rest of that as best as I can in a, the time that we have. Um, and hopefully we'll get to cover these topics again in like greater detail. And I highly recommend, I have a lot of sources for this episode. So do research. Find I made me never want to go to a hospital ever. Um, <laughs> in an article I found called Patriarchy Constructs Motherhood, written by Caitlin Hervner, or Hevener, they cite Dorothy E. Roberts, a post-colonial American scholar from Black Feminists and Black Feminists that argues that patriarchy is a part of the social construction of motherhood, that motherhood plays a critical role in the subordination of women. Motherhood, she says, becomes an identity for women, an identity that many women might not even want but the patriarchy deems motherhood a woman's rite of passage. This quote stood out to me because of the line at the beginning of the film, which Gabe mentioned, like, really upset her. And further research, it seemed that there was a theme between the societal pressure to become mothers and that doing so as young as possible was the goal, that it was a means of establishing dependence on patriarchal and capitalistic structure, specifically... Um, in America, specifically the information that uh, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine has intentionally skewed and encouraged pregnancy before the age of 35 with this idea that it is not possible to do so after. Um, in fact, mm. in an article from The Guardian, it is time to reassess our obsession with women's fertility and the number 35 written by Arwa Madawi. She states that this information is intentionally pulled from 1700s France. Mm. Um, take, for example, she says, the oft-cited statistic that one in three women aged 35 to 39 will not be pregnant after a year of trying. Want to know where the statistic come from? Data from 1700s France. Researchers looked at a bunch of church birth records from before and were people whose life expectancy at the time was around 30 and came up with these statistics. One imagines the researchers would have ridiculed this in any other scenario. Um, however, the statistic serves as a very useful purpose of shaming and scaring women it was parroted endlessly for this reason. One study published in 2004 uh, looked at 770 European women and found that with sex at least twice a week, 78% of these women aged 35 to 40 conceived within a year um, compared to the 84% of women aged 20 to 34. Um, mm. The Atlantic notes that these encouraging figures were left out of the American Society of Reproductive Medicine's 2008 committee opinion on female age and fertility, which instead relied on the most ominous historical data. <laughs> a few years later, the ASRM also launched a controversial ad campaign reminding people that women in their 20s and early 30s are most likely to conceive, mm. um, which through more research and studying is not necessarily true. Um, and why would the American Society for Reproductive Medicine skew their stats to be more daunting? Um, because it is beneficial to the system to have children be born from younger women who have less financial independence and stability and who are more likely to become indebted to the medical industry and likely to have more children so that they feed into the lower labor industry and so on. How else would they continue to maintain poverty necessary to uphold these billionaires? How else? Would Jeff Bezos get to fly a penis into space? Mm -hmm. And I continue in a blog post from Mother Love titled, What Does It Mean to Decolonize Birth? Bentley, Potterfield Finn, a dual estates, many hospitals in the United States follow the technocratic model of birth. According to a researcher, Robbie Davis Floyd, the technocratic model of birth views the female body as a machine regarding the birth of a baby as the most important end of product. The mother mm -hmm. is a secondary byproduct. The model is grounded in Western society's view that science, high technology, and economic profit are the goal. In birth context, a technocratic approach emphasizes mind-body separation. 
sees a patient as an object with literal personal relationship to the practitioner and is characterized by aggressive intervention and values standardization of care. Essentially, the model seeks to not prioritize the safety of the mother, their emotions, or how they want to have their own personal birthing experience, and instead aims to basically act as another way of oppression to feed the labor industry. It all connects. Uh, in terms of decolonizing this birth, it's not about getting rid of hospitals or demonizing medical model of care. In fact, it's more about medical interventions and environments that can be life-saving for some. Instead, it is about trusting natural physiological birth and being conscious of how power operates when we do so. It's about mm -hmm. making various dimensions of care accessible to all birthing persons, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, or class. Um, and it requires like an intersectional approach that considers all of these dimensions and ultimately just values like all birthing traditions um, and meeting people where they are and what they need. Um, yeah, it's so, like what Grace was saying in mm -hmm. the, the film. And also like considering what we talked about in our last episode, which she never died, like in that intersectionality piece, like how many just black women have died at the hands of medical doctors who don't understand them or don't believe them. And mm -hmm. now imagining like, you have to trust them not only with your life, but the let the life of your baby and how often the medical industry values the life of the baby more than the person, mm -hmm. like the human, like a woman yeah. who's who's doing it uh, and, you know, is there, you know, like. Yeah. I, and in reference to intersectionality, there is a whole other layer that I have not even been able to get to um, that I'm mm -hmm. sure we will talk about in later episodes. And I hope we do um, just just for educational purposes. Uh, but. Essentially, my final question here is I'm asking, how do we get here? <laughs> how, 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 how did the system get established as it is? And for that, I refer to a paper written by the site, physiological and ethical issues publication titled male appropriation and medicalization of childbirth, a historical analysis written by Heather A. Cahill um, at, from the University of New York. In this paper, they provide an outline on how midwifery was devalued in the 17th and 18th century, essentially as a method of shifting power from the hands of women to the control of men. Hmm. Something that was interesting about this was the intersection between midwifery and witchcraft. For centuries, medicine and religion have systemically devalued assigned female roles and traits and excluded women from the power in society through patriarchal ideology, misogynist preoccupations with women's re reproductive power, a position clearly reflected in the Christian church's obsession with witchcraft during the Middle Ages. Einrich and English identify three central accusations against witches that have remained consistent throughout history. Their sexuality, their organization, and paradox and paradoxically, their healing powers, which included attendance at childbirth, is the third one. Um, it all stemmed from an envy and fear that women would use this as an outlet to organize and ultimately was another area of life that men sought to control. Um, the paper goes on to argue that the pursuit of healthcare of the healthcare monopoly was created with the purpose of excluding women from practicing in public domain as a method of further subjugating women and maintaining control. The shift really took place between the 17th and 18th centuries when men devalued the midwife profession from a scientific standpoint, mm -hmm. um, essentially pushing their way into the female domain, um, in terms of midwifery was heavily, uh, women dominated field uh, and specifically prior to the invention of forceps men had only been involved in problematic deliveries their instruments guaranteeing the death of the fetus and frequently also that of the mother but essentially small numbers of med midwives gained possession of forceps and learned some of the midwife practices and essentially stole them. So during the 18th century, medical practitioners armed with their greater scientific knowledge and biology began more systematically disputing the and devaluing midwives knowledge um, describes essentially a mix of their own experience um, that was handed down. Like midwives had their own experience handed down through generations of attending women it was basically just disregarded. Um, and it was one way that they achieved this was through their opposition of abortion and the witch trials. They murdered mm. so many um, women who 
essentially helped make safe birthing environments. Um, so thus, the subordination of traditional experiential midwife was shifted to the more formal knowledge and training from which women, of course, were excluded, um, which was the medical industry and the monopolizing of the medical industry to take over birth. And it all inherently goes by this inherent understanding in Western society that men are more superior than women, um, even though that is factually not true. Uh, and there's a lot more in that paper to unpack. I didn't even get to read the entire thing um, because it was mm -hmm. very long. And I spent so much time just the, the fact that these gross men existed in the first place that enacted what this movie was saying was so scary in real life that, that was, there was more than one case. It was just so horrific. And I didn't even get to touch on the fact that there's a whole different element and experience to what it is to, like racially that racism plays such a big part. And I, you know, I know we'll get to that hopefully in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've talked about it previously in some end, uh, but like my God, yeah, the level of just gross and that's just like surface that that's just surface level gross. There's so much yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. And it's always like awful to hear, because, like, you hear the one, like, you hear one story or whatever, and you're like, okay, like, one evil person. Mm -hmm. um, but not, and then you hear, like, two, three. But then you also hear about, like, the actual structures and, like, the textbooks and the instruments and the all the other, like, ways in which it, they're looking to oppress um, women. It's like, oh, this is, it keeps going. It just keeps going. And it's it's in there. And it's been there for forever. The fact that that article is from July 30th. Um, which yeah. is again, the day before we're recording this, uh, is disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, just the fact that not only are these experiments, like that these experiments are still happening today. Mm -hmm. Like we had that whole episode, uh, with the prison system and how they're forced sterilization of women or just like really just non-consensual medical experimentation on women that's happening like literally now. Yeah. In various states. Like, and that probably honestly, that the fact that there's this doctor that did this as of like three days ago, mm -hmm. um, there's probably even more cases. There's yeah, that like we the, don't see so much ugh, that exists in this country and that it's all very intentional. Yeah. And I think that's like the most upsetting element is that there's so such intentionality behind all of this that I think we don't often get to like really look at and see. Um, mm -hmm. And their belief, right? Like mm -hmm. they're, that, that that's how strongly that they believe in, in their superiority uh, and that they would do something in this horrific and not realize how horrific it is. And they I think, think they're what's heroes. Really, they think, yeah. they think they're doing a good thing. And I think what's like worse with this film is that something like that, that is very real and is happening right now was used as this like punchline twist ending as opposed to actually being dived into and discussed because it like in horror, as we talk about often, you can use this as a way to actually comment on the issues, but it's not doing that. It's just like, oh, all along it was this and you didn't really know what to think because we had that one line in the beginning and then the rest of the film was kind of a fog because uh, nothing meant anything and it, we were trying too hard to be artistic without actually being artistic is is yeah. like a student film uh which is again it's like another gripe we have with uh m night Shyamalan's old was like the ending was again using all of these different things to be like haha the whole time it was this what a surprise instead of like okay but no that actually needs to be impacted and talked about or you can't use it like you can't bring that here yeah. for just no like to just show it off like <laughs> that's yeah. you're not doing any you're actually not doing anything yeah um and Don't so, just use mental illness as a scapegoat. Yeah. Or be or, like, ha big pharma, right? They're awful. Uh -huh. Like, yeah, they are. Uh, got anything else to say about it? <laughs> you know? No? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's like, I feel like the Dr. John in False Positive was, was it like a fairy tale villain? Like he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't real. Like, I don't think John Lee understands how real he is and that he yeah. really, like, it's, it was like a he was like a clown like he was like 
of course he's evil. He's just evil. Like, but those men in those stories that you were covering are real humans that these women to some degree had to trust. Right. And, and yeah. ended up there. So many of them trusted him. He had to be more, they had to be more trustworthy than Dr. John was. Cause he's, there's never a time when I felt comfortable with him. So it's like, you're, like, it, it kind of puts the onus again on those women to be like, well, why did you trust them? Like, no, that's not, <laughs> it's like, why did he do that? That's the, yeah. that's the problem here. Um, and I, yeah, I just feel like a lot of it was like, he got handed or he, you know, cause he worked with a writer, he got handed this interesting idea and they didn't really unpack it or spend enough time with it to figure out what they wanted to say so much as they just wanted to do a surprise. Yeah. And society is just so gross. Um, and this film yeah. tried a little, but it didn't. It it didn't. And yeah. I totally agree with you. Like, it was trying to like be like, this guy, obviously the worst, right? But it's like, there are people who are doing that now and who are actively not being stopped mm -hmm. by the people who are just like being like, he's doing great things. He's doing great yeah. things for these women by giving them the gift of child. So that they and, can do what they are supposed to do as women. Yeah. And it's, there's just so much wrong. <laughs> there's such delusion that exists mm. um, and is intentionally like upheld. Uh, and I think that's like the hardest thing to swallow in yeah. all of this. Um, but I guess to end on a happier note, I don't really have one. I don't really. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I would yeah. say that what I want to end with uh, one is, you know, you know, if you haven't listened to previous episodes of ours, uh, definitely do. And, and we mentioned, you know, we've covered population control. We've covered the oppression of women twice, uh, two types with Stepford Wives and Handmaid's Tale. Um, we have covered the forced sterilization of women in, in prison, um, the forced sterilization of Puerto Rican women by the American government. Uh and we've covered pregnancy and and medical harm. Like we've cut, we've covered it, and we will probably cover more of these things, um, because at the end of the day, you know what we always want people to realize is that um, horror and media is always trying to, even if not well, <laughs> yeah. even if it doesn't do it well, is trying to teach you something or to highlight that there are real horrors happening um, and you should be aware of them. So make sure that you uh, like and subscribe so that you know what's coming up next. Or, or yeah. And if you want to, you know, let us know about any issues that you have experienced or um, if you... I don't know, you feel differently about this film, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it is. Or even if there's, like, more, like, if you want to hear more of these things and things mm -hmm. to unpack. Like, I honestly, as a reflection of this episode, I think it would be really dope to have just, like, an entire very long series where <laughs> where it would be very sad because we just have mm. to learn about all the oppressive things that have happened to women and that's awful. Um, but that we find media that does it right and find media that does it bad. And I, if that's something people would want, or if there's yeah. like topics within this realm that we haven't covered yet or haven't looked at yet mm -hmm. that you think would be yeah. good. We'd love to hear about them because yeah. it's, it's always good to learn new things, even if it's hard and if to you learn them. Yeah, even if it's hard. And if you do know of any organizations or groups that are working mm. actively to combat these issues, um, we'll look up some ourselves and have them in our show notes, but we're always welcome uh, more suggestions. So if you know someone mm -hmm. who's doing the work, like we want to highlight them, we want to bring that to, to light because it is truly horrific. And as lackluster as this film was, uh, I'm thankful to some degree in that it did allow us to actually look into that um, and as upsetting as it is to learn about um, mm -hmm. it's important that we do uh, so yeah. that we can highlight those things and kind of try to do something. Cause if, you know, the first step is knowing uh, yeah. and the you second step is showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Second is showing up. That's very true. Yes. So if you know resources, 100%. Um, yeah. Share. That's our long-term dream is to do, to be that kind of resource <laughs> to, to for do you. the show up time. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. So, yeah, with that being said, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed uh, We Mocho and Take Back the Night as well. Uh, we have some pretty good things coming up this series uh, for the month of August. So stay tuned um, and don't get married. They'll eat your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just put it out there that the kids are innocent. The kids yeah. deserve to live mm-hmm. because they di- they didn't do that. And they're still your children. Um, yeah. That's a different discussion. Uh, it just made me think of Mariska Hardigay, her character in mm-hmm. SVU, because she was a child of rape. And mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, someone should just watch that. That's the only part of, like, SVU. Yeah. <laughs> can hold up. Uh, all right. Well. <laughs> and she's sorry. doing work, too. Uh, she's doing work. Yeah. She's got her, her stuff out there to uh, uh, check out the rape kits. So mm-hmm. thank you, Mariska. All right. Well, on that note, have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Learn stuff. And do it. Uh, and yeah. self-care in uh, addition yeah. to learn stuff, do it. Uh, yeah. Go watch something nice. Yeah. Go treat, treat yourself. Not, not this movie. Uh, go watch Tragedy Girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go watch Bit. You'll, you'll still have a good time at the beginning. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs>